Thanks for taking the time to sail with us on our third Cruising with Doris Visits podcast. And as it's late October, it's trick or treat. And fireworks. Well, that's a very visual thing. I know. You can be Harry Potter. I'll be Guy Fawkes and we'll see who hits the stars. You first. Where would you not want to sail to on Halloween? Um, uh, London. No, seriously, of all the cruise stops you've ever stopped at, which is the one not to walk around in the dark on the scariest night of the year? Boston. Boston? Seriously, autumn, falling leaves, wind, the time of the New England cruises. I know, I went to the bar of the television series Cheers and had a great time. This is the beautiful Boston Common and we're searching for the Cheers bar. We're walking through to the top of the common and we're going to pass the Boston, Massachusetts State House. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I guess Boston will have to go on our movie location section. Come in. It's really small, isn't it? Boston bar that inspired the TV series Cheers was originally known as the Bull and Finch Pub and was established in 1969. They really used the exterior and the idea of the pub. It's taken the name Cheers now. You go downstairs into the basement level, below street level to get in, and you go upstairs to the bar, which looks more like the one that you'll see in the TV show. If you do go to the Cheers bar, just behind it is an area of old historic houses. It's great for a stroll around. But nearby Salem had the famous 1692 witch trials where locals were executed for practising witchcraft. It's a myth. OK. Then there's George's Island. What's wrong with George? George's Island outside downtown Boston is where Fort Warren is. And why would you go there? George's Island is one of the most visited Boston Harbour Islands. Enlighten me. Mrs. Melanie Lanier, the lady in black flowing robes, wanders the grounds, terrifying anyone she comes into contact with. Ooh, what upset her? Her husband was imprisoned at Fort Warren. You'd think she'd be pleased. A bit of peace, watch what she liked on TV. One dark and stormy night... Dressed as a man. You said she had black robes. Can I finish my story? Go on. But it's not the Boston I know with its nice harbour, seafood, tea rooms and bars. Dressed as a man and toting her pickaxe and hiding a pistol, she got into the fort but was stopped by a soldier. And then she accidentally shot her husband dead. That's the problem with guns. She insisted on being hung in woman's clothes. Remember, she turned up dressed as a man. And all they could find were black robes. So, she wasn't upset that she shot her husband. She was upset about what she had to wear. That's not scary. (laughs) Okay, but they have other ghost tours in Boston. What is it with Boston? It's a great cruise destination. Lizzie Borden's house in River Falls. No, do tell. The pilot house, built back in 1839, where sea captains stayed overnight. A lady dressed in white roams around the kitchen, and there is disembodied laughter. How do you laugh if you've been disembodied? Uh, Good point. Okay, Paul Revere roaming around the Granary Park burial grounds at night. Why would you go there when you can see his statue on the Boston walking tour near the old Printworks Museum? It's in our Boston film. 
Good point. Welcome to Boston, a city most definitely built on the sea. It has a history of fishing and maritime, and nowadays all over the wharf there are cafes. The cruise ship is based at Black Falcon Dock, and the shuttle bus will take you to here, to Quincy Market. Just outside Quincy's is Vanoil Hall, which is a visitor centre and retail shops, and we're going to pick up the Freedom Trail here. In the 18th century, Boston's patriots led the American colonies in defense of their threatened liberty, protesting against unjust treatment by the British Crown. The Old State Meeting House is a meeting house, and in 1876, the Bostonians fought to save this building from the wrecking ball. We're in the Italian part of Boston. It's awash with little tutorials, still on the Freedom Trail. One bar we saw had Tom Cruise and Robert De Niro's picture in the window, and we're looking for Paul Revere's house, where he lived with his wife, Rachel. After years as a boarding house, tenement and shops in the 19th century, the house was saved from demolition by a revered descendant and restored. It opened as a museum in 1908. And here's the man himself, Paul Revere. He rode out and told everyone that the British were coming. This little house was built in 1712 and it managed to survive when all its neighbours' houses were torn down, even Benjamin Franklin's house next door. Hi folks, how are Hi. you? Hi, fine, thank you. We're printing Declaration of Independence today here at Benjamin Eves and John Gill's printing office. This is treason and sedition. We could get in a lot of trouble for this. <laughs> but this is too important, worth it. Ink balls. Wool with leather on top, hammered all the way around. And our ink formula is an 18th century formula. It is carbon black, linseed oil, which is like flaxseed oil boiled, and then pine resin, which is very difficult to the sound. Once this was all laid out, that was the hard part. Then you could do a sheet every 15 seconds, one person inking, one person pushing through. So here we go. down. This is a double press. We're going to press twice. I'm going to pull this. It's going to push the button down. The ink is going to set in the paper. And there you go. Declaration of Independence. So to find this little gem, you go down Hanover Street, cut through the park to Unity Street, and it's Clough House. You walk towards North Church. That's not scary. Go on. Okay, the dormitory at Boston University in Killishand Hall. Famous American playwright Eugene O'Neill died unexpectedly in room 401. Many students have seen his ghost. Students said no. Okay, how about Hopperly Nichols House, where five soldiers from the Revolution era are still playing cards at a table? Since the tea party in 1773. No. Some builders woke him up in 1915. Really? Okay, so you didn't get scared in Boston? No. I give up then. Where is the place you would not wish to be on Halloween? The city of haunted graves and voodoo, witches and witchcraft, New Orleans. <laughs> By the time the whole ship has got through American immigration, the ghosts will have gone home. The Witch Queen of New Orleans and all the others have been around for a long time. They wait for you to get off. I thought you had a good time there. I did. I had so much fun. I went around with Manuel Martinez, the comedy magician. You took a magician into the land of black magic and witchcraft. 
Hola amigos, we have come here to the French Quarter in New Orleans and we have discovered this cigar factory. I am here with Doris right now who's just visiting. We're gonna go inside and see what they do. Brilliant, I can't wait. I think it's just cigars. <laughs> <laughs> just off Jackson Square is the Louisiana State Information Center, which is open daily from 8.30 to 5 p.m. This is worth a visit. They do a map with very detailed information of walking tours, and they're super friendly inside. At the end of the flea market is the New Orleans Jazz Museum, which is massive. We just miss Mardi Gras, but you can imagine, as the processions come down the street, the people stand on their balconies and look down, and they throw down beads. So if you're unlucky, you can get a nasty injury. See, that was a friendly place. There's a lovely tourist office in the square. They tell you exactly what to do and give you the walking tours. No, there's voodoo museums, and they're scary. No, they're not museums. They're shops, tourist shops. Well, they've got voodoo dolls in, and they scared me. You find this shop at 612 Domain Street and you can have a reading inside. It's quite spooky in there. This is Voodoo Authentica and it's full of artefacts. These are just boxes with spells in. I could make those. Look at these Voodoo dolls. Oh, there's a lucky one there. This is Mary Laveau who was buried in St. Louis Cathedral. She was a Voodoo High Priestess. Do you believe them? Well, I don't believe them, but I like to hedge my bets, so... And it's the atmosphere in here, it's spooky. I tell you what is really spooky in New Orleans. The St. Louis Cemetery, number one. Nicholas Cage has bought two plots in the cemetery and has built a pyramid mausoleum waiting for him. That's spooky. I wrote about that in my book, Cruise Ship Art Theft, when a girl from Miami goes there to paint a picture, and it is haunted, and she gets possessed. Spooky. So that's our trick-or-treat cruise stops. Where are the fireworks? Funchal. I don't remember seeing fireworks in Funchal. They have a huge display in the bay at New Year. That's not Guy Fawkes. And at other times. Anyway, Madeira is a very commonly used cruise port. And it's where the cruise novel Cruise Ship Heist climaxes as the ship docks. Watch the Doris Visits video port guide of Funchal. And then you'll remember being there when you get to the end of the book. Did you enjoy Funchal? I did. But I wasn't looking for my husband or being made to wear black robes. Or carrying an axe. <laughs> Okay, what is the most famous place for fireworks? Easy. Sydney Harbour Bridge in Australia. And we climbed the bridge? Well, we climbed the tower up to the bridge, which is cheaper, gives great views, and you can carry a camera. You can't carry a camera on the actual bridge climb. And if you do go to the tower, do take your age proof if you want to get a concession. I genuinely am excited by this. The bridge is 1,149 metres, including approach span. There were approximately 6 million rivets used in making the bridge. In the 1920s, welding was too unreliable and nuts and bolts were quite expensive, so rivets were used. It cost 10 million... £57,150, 7 shillings and 9 pence to build. 
the pylon entrance and we're climbing up for some spectacular views. The arch is 134 metres above sea level and the pylon is 89 metres above sea level. So we've just climbed 89 metres. Halfway up the pylon there's an exhibition about the construction of the bridge. pylon on Sydney Harbour Bridge and it was worth the climb. The view is spectacular. When the bridge was being built, 128 tie-back cables restrained the part-finished arches. These cables reached 365 metres long, 70 millimetres in diameter, 8.6 tonnes in weight and made up of 217 individual wires. The bridge was completed in 1932 and it was all done without the aid of safety harnesses. So today we've taken you to Boston, which is on a New England cruise as you come down the east coast of America down to New York. We've been to New Orleans, which is on a South American cruise. You could get it on a Caribbean cruise if you're lucky. Yeah, you must remember, if you go to New Orleans, to go and sample some Creole cuisine because it's fantastic. Although, allow some time because you have to queue, it's so popular. And of course, the most important thing to do is to go and see some jazz. We saw some at the Preservation Hall, but you'll find it anywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere, even on the streets. It's fantastic. Finally, we went to Sydney, which is always on a world cruise. We got stuck for three days in Sydney, boo-hoo, because of the weather. And we were thrilled to bits. We had a brilliant time there. Which is why there are so many films about Sydney on dorisvisits.com, as there are all the port guides. The reason we were on that cruise to Sydney was because we'd been to Fiji, where you shot the film with Status Quo, Bula Quo. A lot of the cruise ships ring me to try and get me on that particular uh, leg of a world cruise because Universal Pictures sent me there to make a film with status quo. And it is a fun story because it just was a disaster from start to finish, Uh, mainly because the island was hit by a huge cyclone. Mm. So it's a great lecture. It's very funny. They are two of the greatest guys and they were there every day and worked every hour we asked them. Okay, let's finish. um, Oh, David. David, Are you there, David? No jokes, please. No. <laughs> no promises about not doing a joke, Stuart. Which reminds me, last week I dropped my iPhone into the bath and it started to sink. Anyway, on a serious note, here's this week's cruise tech tip. If you use Google Translate when you go ashore, but you're worried about it using roaming data, Google has come up with a solution. Before you leave home, you can download a language pack onto the Google Translate app. And that way, you don't need to use data to make it work when you're abroad. The only slight problem is that language packs can take quite a bit of space on your phone. So if you have lots of storage space on your phone, it's no problem. But if not, It might take up some of the space that you need for your holiday photos and your videos. It's a balance. That's just one of the things that we talk about in the amazing free Google Tools presentation. One of the techie-deasy talks I do on cruise ships. Hopefully see you in one of those soon.
In the meantime, remember to take it easy. In Chapter 3 of Cruise Ship Highs, Kieran has just seen a dead body on the plane which he leaves behind and goes to collect his baggage. Is that all he'll collect? Chapter 3. Baggage The baggage collection area is chaotic. People jostle to get to the front, clogging access to the rotating belt with their empty trolleys. I give them all a wide berth and walk around the outside to where the cases first drop on the carousel. The bags have been fast, so I might get to see the rainforest after all. In my 30 years in the army, I was never deployed to the jungle, unless you call Northern Ireland a jungle. Thanks again, I hear from behind me in her slight sexy Spanish accent. I acknowledge her smile and she points at the luggage belt. A case is dropping through the veil of industrial plastic curtain. What am I supposed to do? I step forward automatically. It matches the style of the hand luggage that I've just lifted down for this beauty from the plane. I turn for confirmation and she nods. My arm takes it and again, it's much heavier than I expected. I notice the heavy label attached to the handle as I place the bag on her trolley with her other three bags. Thanks again, she smiles as she rips the heavy label off and drops it. Even that act of littering was quite sexy. My pleasure. Enjoy your holiday. A good-looking woman like her, so smartly dressed, surely can't be single. I turn away to disengage, scolding myself. If I'm going to survive in this outside world, I need to open doors, not close them. On holiday would have been better. An invitation to converse, far more socially engaging. Or is it just prying? I'm not equipped for this game, though I could do it so easily as an instructed agent on a mission. I accept defeat as I snatch my case from escaping away around the rotating carousel and into the crowd. A minor distraction nearly caught me off guard. Page one mistake. I deliberately take a different cue to the one she stands in at customs. I don't want to look like a stalker. But she's noticed and strangely doesn't seem to have given up on me. I raise my eyebrows in surprise, just enough to suggest I didn't notice her. Obviously, I did. Peoples, please take other cue. This line, closed, a large customs officer shouts in a rhythmic Latin accent. He is guiding all that other cue into ours. It's hot, and the officers are wearing jackets and carbon fibre protection vests. I guess they get used to it. I wore heavy kit in the Middle East. The Latin beauty is coming my way. I'm trapped again. Or, or is it a second chance? The customs officer turns back to the other two officials at the heavy fixed inspection table at the front of the queue. They're searching a Spanish-looking woman, I would guess a local, and the tall, fit woman who got off the plane behind me. She looks like she's scanning the strength of the force. She's sensing danger. The situation bites as the lady being searched is pushed roughly towards the table and told to put her hands flat down. The tone in the room has changed. The military-looking woman is grabbed and pushed down. This could turn very nasty. Slowly she complies, but I can see she has her eye on the gun clipped in the officer's belt. 
She digs her elbow up into him, leaving him gasping for air. Her hands go up immediately like a premiership footballer acting innocence. She didn't like the way he searched her body, but she didn't take his gun, which she could have very easily. She is way too cool to be a civvy, or even rank-and-file military, not least because this is South America, which can be one of the most dangerous places in the world. It's not my fight. But I've worked out the nearest guard and his weapons. That was chapter three. First two chapters are after podcast one and two. And you can find those on the Doris Visits website under podcasts. If you like the book and you want to skip ahead, in the same section, look for A Cruise Book at Bedtime. A couple of chapters are read every night on YouTube and you can listen to the book there. Very spooky. Now, before I go, I must mention one thing. I love it that people make an effort and dress up for Halloween on the ships. But what's even better is the cake table. There is always a table of Halloween cakes, and they really are weird and exciting. If you've never seen that, and, and you may not have cruised at Halloween, then do go over to the associated blog that goes with this podcast, and it's on dorisvisits.com. It's podcast number three, and there is a Halloween film in with all the other films. There's the climb of the uh, bridge in Sydney, uh, there's New Orleans, and of course, there's Boston. See you next week. See you next week.